Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Today on the Ether, the TFM Founder Series, Episode 1 with Ethan Frey. Let's take a listen. This space is scheduled to start in a minute or so, so we'll just wait to see if it fills up a little bit. Hi there, Mark. Hi, Amit. I'm just going to send a message to our guests. Welcome everyone, we're just waiting for Ethan Fry to drop in. One of his colleagues from WindDAO will also be joining in the space. Yeah, so we got them till the top of the hour and it might turn a bit technical, but we'll see. I believe Ethan is just finishing off another call, so hopefully join us soon. This is actually the first in a series of spaces we're going to do with eminent members of Cosmos community or IBC community. Hey, B-Bands, thanks for dropping in. Yeah, so hopefully we're all going to learn something while we're here. From the Window side, it's going to be Ethan Fry and one of his colleagues, Stephen. And from the TFM side, you've got me, Rebel DeFi, and our CTO, Mario, who goes by Jimmy X on Twitter. Hey, everyone. So essentially, yeah, I won't, even though I'm talking now, the intention is for me to shut up and let Mario and Ethan have a conversation about technical aspects of Cosmosm. So if that's your bag, hopefully this space will be for you. If there's anyone in here who is a dev, if you want to just shoot some emojis just so we can see what our audience is like. Okay, well, maybe not a super technical audience today. That suits me fine because I am not super technical myself. Right, Stephen is here. Stephen, are you here? I thought Stephen was going to join on the WinDAO account. Um, so maybe he's not here yet. Let me just double check he's got the link. I am in Thailand at the moment. The rain has started to come down, so hopefully it's not going to affect the sound quality too much. So yeah, just following up with Ethan and Stephen to see if they are going to be joining us soon. Fingers crossed. Ethan goes by the name or has been given the title The Father of Cosmosm. So it'll be interesting to find out how that came about. And then Mario, are you are you are you just gonna ask questions off the top of your head, or have you got a little um, list prepared. I mean, since we're here today with Ethan, I mean, it really will be a very nice honor for you, for us, actually. So actually, I have some questions prepared, but um, I think when the conversation starts, I will also, depending how it flows, then also have some detailed questions for Ethan, yeah? I think we might be having some technical difficulties here because Stephen is telling me he's requested to speak, but 
I don't see him in here. Um, oh, wow. He's just sent me a screenshot. He is here. Mm, I, That's strange. I also can't see him here in this window. Yeah, if you can see the WindDAO logo, their Twitter name is W-Y-N-D, and then a leaf. Can you give me an emoji? I think in the meantime, Stephen's going to try and restart his phone. Oh, he might be on a come. No, he said, no, oh, that was an interesting idea, B-Band. He might have been on his computer, but he does say he's going to restart his phone. So we've all made that mistake at some stage. Right, Milan. Milan is in the space. Milan is also, oh, I see Milan. Now, if I have a look at Milan's name, he's got a little leaf. That seems to signify that he is part of the Window team. And we've got the real interchain in the house as well. Milan, do you want to fire an emoji if you want to be brought up to speak? We can do that easy enough. I will bring up Ethan. There we go. So hopefully Ethan will be joining us shortly. Well, we've kind of done the introductions, even though the Window team weren't here at the time. But just to reiterate, we'll hopefully go, you go till about the top of the hour. So that's another 40, 45 minutes or so. And hopefully this is going to be a really interesting conversation between Mario, our CTO, and Ethan Fry, the father of Cosm Wasm. Mario, would you like to take it away? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm also looking forward to an interesting conversation today in this space. I mean, basically, I was looking forward to this uh, discussion, <laughs> actually, since we announced it. So, yeah, hopefully, actually, Ethan can first all us this uh, technical or this Twitter bug can be resolved soon, so we can actually then start our space, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, Ethan should be up, and that's the wind now connecting as well. Yeah, I see it's connecting. Hello, hello. Good to be here. I had a little trouble with my phone, but I think it was on my side. Pleasure. Glad to have you here, Ethan. Ah, hey, Ethan. Finally, we made it. Perfect. Yeah, good to be here. I had a few chats uh, with your team before. Very interesting work in TFM and very happy to be here talking to you and the community. Yeah. I mean, so, hey, Ethan, very glad to have you in the space finally. So uh, it's really an honor for us. Um, it's great to have the father of Cosmosm here. And I think this will be a very uh, interesting talk also for the audience. Um, not only talking about projects and depths, but more even more interesting is uh, basically the tech, which is basically uh, powering almost all the depths on the Cosmos layer ones. So, because uh, it's actually the, basically the, the smart contract platform, which is powering uh, Cosmos at the moment, right? So, um, maybe as a start also for the audience, uh, can you tell us actually how Cosmosm came to be and uh, what part you played in it actually? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, a year, even a year ago, Cosmosm was just a little thing that, you know, and um, it just started to get up there. It's really blown up this last year. You know, uh, we did a little thing and 55% of the IBC connected chains are running Cosmosm. So it's really gone from a niche to, to kind of mainstream Cosmos even. But it started three and a half years ago. Um, I was at Hackathon. It was the first Adam Hackathon in March 2019 that Adam Hub launched. And so all the people are kind of waiting for this for, for a while, all the people that have been contributing various projects or building around it, validators, various groups um, got together. We had an interchain conversations. I think it was like two or three day uh, gathering. It was really, really cool. It was, you know, like 200 people or something. But it was, you know, half the people there probably now are running validator nodes, running blockchains, running, you know, deep D apps. Like it was a really, really packed 
quality conference and then we had a two-day hackathon. And so I'm sitting there with a bunch of other people for the hackathon and um, we ended up, you know, just grabbing people and actually like five CTOs or five projects uh, come together and we're like, let's come make a team, let's do something. And ideas came out there and more and more ambitious and suddenly it's like, let's, you know, no, there's a smart contract. We should use WebAssembly. This new WebAssembly thing just coming out, right? It's getting, you know, Polkadot's using it. Let's do something like that. Let's use WebAssembly smart contract for Cosmos. And after a few beers, it seemed like a realistic idea. We just knock it off. Of course, you can do that in two days, right? So, um, so yeah, anyway, we did. I didn't sleep much. Uh, I don't know how I it crashed for a little bit and suddenly turned around and Yehan finished everything um, <laughs> that I had left in a broken state. But it was, it was cool. It was, it was uh, pretty amazing, intense. In the end of it, we basically had a very simple escrow contract. You know, I send you money, and then the third party can decide to release it or return it. And uh, it would take tokens, it would actually take, you know, native UATOM tokens and send them on and possibly return them and you could upload the contract live and you could, we had a simple UI for it even, um, thanks to Pedro from Wallet Connect, one of the one of the members. So it's a pretty amazing team and we just knocked this out in two days and it was like super proof of concept, super proof of concept. It worked, but you know, don't push it too hard. Um, and I was bit, I mean, at that time, I was like, dude, this is what I'm gonna do. This is like the most inspiring thing I've built in years. Um, you know, I was working on the Cosmos Decay. I wrote the original IBC white paper. And, you know, since then, like I kind of, you know, I'm doing product stuff. And this is like the most inspiring thing I've worked on since then. And like, I just want to do this. And, you know, I'm going to make this happen. Great insightful information. Uh, I can tell actually from experience that coming from like, for example, Solidity, the transition to Cosmos Basen works like a charm because like of its structure and especially all the documentation and even the training videos are provided on YouTube. I think it was even like from the hackathons or from different hackathons, for example. So actually, I think you really did a great job there. Uh, in your opinion, what was actually the main challenge when basically designing and creating Cosmos coming from like these uh, existing smart contracts, like languages, platforms, like like Solidity, in your opinion? I mean, for me designing it or for people building it, I think building it, the issue is the actor model. And that was one we actually came up with early on. Like I built, mm, the idea that we only communicate with messages is an idea I had back, wow. I think in 2017, the first SDK was just, you know, messages to communicate them. So that idea was there, but there's synchronous, you call into it. And then there's Aaron actually from Regen, who did a lot of the SDK development actually the last few years. Um, and he did this, this actor model that we return messages and that way avoids all the reentrancy bugs and quite a few, there's a, there's a class of bugs, not just the reentrancy attack, but there's a class of bugs. Um, and I think that's really cool. It allows also other visualizations of the messages. It allows parallelization potentially. It allows very interesting um, uh, features there and really separating out between queries and messages that change state. So making that was this very interesting design session. We made that actually during that first hackathon. So I think the design was actually pretty much there, except we had no queries. Um, but the rough design is kind of there and is built on it from then. And we figured out how to slowly add new features without breaking the existing design. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had whoever five amazing heads in a room debating how to build a structure on this and actually came with, I think, a very good theoretical structure actually from early on. Amazing, yeah. I think it's actually very valuable for like, the other developers because um, um, like uh, once like this uh, wasm binary, I mean, because you're of, of this of this model, right? Uh, once it's uploaded and battle tested over time and like fully audited, whatever, um, that you just need a message to basically instantiate like the, the contract once it's already on the blockchain, right? Um, because actually, 
once there is basically other teams which maybe want to reuse it like in their protocols of it or it like fits their needs i mean they can just use it i remember actually like in uh, terra classic times we had this uh, famous uh, code id3 which was basically this implementation of the cw20 token of like uh, TerraSwap, which uh, basically was like uh, this uh, cw plus from the cw plus repository if i remember correctly right um and basically all new tokens which were basically created on, I would say 90% all of the tokens which were created on Terra Classic were basically then just forked from, or instantiated, better said, from this uh, code ID free. So that alone made life a lot easier because the tokens, uh, yeah, in theory, didn't actually need, it, didn't need to be like reallocated because the code was already there and like battle tested, right? Um, totally. So at one point... Also, also one point I wanted to throw in is the way actually it's designed for developers so they can just uh, craft their own, I mean, now go, going back to Cosmosm, is that they just can craft their own like unit tests and basically you made basically this all as a framework in com like comparable like to, to Hearted like on, on Ethereum, right? So basically you can just write the Rust code, you have basically this platform and can even do like fully unit tested uh, code all in one, yeah? So I think this is also like a very good way which you thought when designing actually this uh, this platform, right? Yeah, yeah. So that actually was not done the hackathon <laughs> test. <laughs> I'm not that good. Okay. Uh, no, but that came out. That, that wasn't the first things I did, actually. So, like, 2019, I came out of the hackathon, then I looked for the funding. I quit my job. Actually, I quit my job to this. I got some funding. I was working part-time then on Regen and part-time on Cosmosm. And on January 2020, I decided, yeah, go full in. I didn't really have funding anymore, but I'm going full in on this. I'm sure money will come soon. Then hit the pandemic, it was a little harder. Uh, the cosmos blew up. So it was actually quite hard until middle of 2020. That six months uh, was basically just on a, uh, a prayer. But over that time, it was trying to build out these, these issues, like how do queries work, how do tests work. And for me, the reason I never took a solidity, like I saw this in 2017, right? People showing me, I was building like Go, 10 different apps, SDK, pre-SDK, SDK, right? And I was looking at Solidity and like, that's cool. Ethereum's taking off in 2017. Let's do something. So how do I test? I come from back-end web development. You don't deploy any complex app without tests. And you certainly don't deploy anything that touches money without tests, right? So I couldn't believe you had these DeFi apps that have like no testing framework. It's like, well, you compile it, you upload it to the blockchain, you write some JavaScript and hope it works. And I'm like, well, sure, but there's no finer game of testing it. So this is one thing that's really important to me, like why on the SDK and the Go stuff is like you get testable. It is pretty testable. So that level, I want to make sure that our platform had it. And so early on, I got some advice that we could use a thing called dependency injection, basically. So you basically modify it's in a WASM environment or it's in a native Rust environment. And in a native Rust environment, you basically inject the whole blockchain environment to it. Um, so it's just running in a fake environment, but everything else runs the same. The code doesn't change. It basically just, you know, the environment's injected into it, which makes it very nice for testability. Um, and you can mock stuff out that way. So we started that one and um, the unit tests were relatively easy as long as it only local storage. And what came out later, so we built this out so you could test one contract by itself. And, you know, by the middle of 2020, we had a much devs picking up on this stuff. Terra was going to integrate it. Uh, the you got more and more complex people things built on it, right? Like Terra Swap even is just you know LP token and a exchange, and you want to be able to draw, withdraw the LP token on your AMM. And how do you test that? You couldn't really test it, right? So you had to mock out everything. So you had to mock the other contract and all that stuff. It's really hard at some point because you're trying to query the other contract state, but you have to mock it, and so you're really faking everything, and you're not sure it's working. So um, 
I guess it was like the end of September 2020. I just, whatever, put headphones off um, for about two, um, let's see, put off about two days, three days, headphones on, code, 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 uh, ignore the world, and came out with multitest, what you have now, right? So um, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so I think yeah. that was really, for me, this turning point, it's taken a while to get documented, to get fully functional and handle all these other cases that people have, like, you know, generics. But for me, it was idea that basically you can mock out majority of blockchain. So if you don't have custom messages, if you're trying to integrate with the blockchain, you need these high-level tests. So we have all these level of tests. A multi-test does, if you're not a developer, is basically rather than testing one contract isolation, it lets you compose three, four, five contracts. You can instantiate them on some fake blockchain, but it's not even a blockchain. It's just an environment that allows them to send money between them and call each other. They can't stake tokens. They can't use IBC. They can't use anything in the blockchain. But most of the interaction between contracts are basically moving money or calling each other. And all of that emulates them. And we went through and we found, we used this, eventually found bugs where like in some, some case it deviated from the functionality of WASMD and made sure they worked exactly the same. Like if you send a token with zero balance, it errored in WASMD, did not error in ours. And then we changed ours to actually error there as well. So we went through and tweaked the functionality to be almost identical as we could make it with the WASMD. So you have pure Rust code at this point. You have no WASM code, not even runtime. You basically compile all native Rust code in a little application that acts kind of like a simulated blockchain and enough of the blockchain that it was able to test the majority of application logic. And it's all native code, which means if you panic somewhere, you get full stack trace. You can add print statements anywhere you want to. You can use all the tooling you have, uh, debug steppers, everything you have for native Rust code, all the tooling, the test tooling you can on these things and we get, you know, 98% of the reliability of testing on a real blockchain, right? So I think that was really, really huge step forward for me that we can test natively. Um, the beyond that, you can like upload the WASM binary on a blockchain, right? Cosm.js test to test it, which is cool, but when it errors, often opaque, right? Whereas you error multi-test, you can get like the exact line number and the stack trace and maybe even the, a dump of some of the variables, right? Like, <laughs> it's pretty powerful. So that for me is like this huge step in testability and composability. Um, you know, I don't even know if that existed in other frameworks, like Solidity. Like everything is on blockchain level, so I don't know how you can test that as native code. Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to say because I think actually, as you said, because you can basically do everything like in Rust and, and test it like in, in this in this language, and don't need to have actually the the need to switch actually over, and even have like as you said, your uh, print log state statements actually because you just simulated yeah. This is like a very great tool because uh, I remember actually like from from Solidity. I mean, uh, I mean, of course, with Hardhead you can do log messages, etc. But um, at some point it get like very hard. So actually, to to be fair, in my opinion, it's actually with like Cosmos and this is like super clear, super easy, and uh, yeah, super doable. Actually, even for for beginners who start off out with smart contracts, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's definitely we're the issue. There's documentation working on that now, and so we've been. I think. We're working on the full docs on it and a tutorial on it. So we have, you can look at examples. So if I point to examples, look how people use it. But we're, and the Cosmos Academy just started now is covering Rust contracts, right? And we're working currently on the second Rust class, which is all about multi-contract and how to build these tests. And not just look at these other tests we do and send examples out there, but step-by-step step how to construct them, the best practices. And this is one of our devs has been working almost two years on building smart contracts, multi-tests, a lot of the multi-trust framework was inspired by his work. 
um, these patterns, like a sweet pattern to build up like multiple configurations um, is from his work. So I think it's very powerful, um, very powerful stuff, actually, let's say. Um, and he's going to explain basically his learnings in the last you know, two years, building the framework and working on it and bring it out. So I'm really looking forward to that because that will make it a lot more accessible to newcomers. Because so far we're kind of like, you know, throwing people, here's examples, do something like this. And once you get it, you get it. But like really hand, holding your hand and walking you through it is really where you want to get to. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah, I agree, definitely. Actually, I have a question because, because I think this uh, Cosmosm 1.0, this uh, first version, the official one was basically released in May, right? Um, I think it was May, right? The, the, uh, the yeah, was, yeah. Last November, which was uh compatible it was future compatible at one zero beta we said last november we said okay we won't break the format anymore so if you write contracts you can hear you have an upgrade path for forever but we're not sure it's tested and one zero was in may and that was after an audited review we said our library's reviewed it's solid it's we fixed a few little issues in it um but yeah the beta was basically the first time you could could upgrade to it all and expect any sort of forward compatibility um and then this one one zero yeah it was in may this year which is like okay it's safe to use yeah, this brings me actually to, to the topic like of uh, future development. Is there like any specific topics like you're working like in the upcoming releases or is there any like points which you are currently like uh, more focused? Uh, I mean, may maybe focus like on the security side or like, I don't know, like helper functions to like speed up developments for like newcomers to Cosmosm uh, or do you, can you maybe like share any like of your roadmap maybe maybe like to Cosmosm 0.0 or do you have anything in mind for this for the audience? We don't really have a plan for Cosmo on 2.0. 1.x will come out, and 2.0 for us is it's really hard because you want to make sure it's actually backwards compatible to everything, right? Um, and we don't see anything needs to be breaking. 2.0 is going to be still breaking. You can break everything, right? So we're trying to keep it right, backwards compatible, keep things nice, and add things. So we have multiple of us on our stack. So Confio, the company I work with, we built Cosmo Wasm. We also built Wasm D, which is like the Go bindings for SDK. Sorry, um, the Go bindings for SDK. Right, so if you want to integrate your blockchain, you usually import Wasm D, which then embeds Cosmosm. Um, so we build the Cosmosm virtual machine and the Cosmosm like standard library for contracts. So you think of that as Open Zeppelin plus EVM plus GETH, right? That's what we have right there, the stack. We also built Cosmos which is you can think of as um, EtherJS, right? So that's, that's that's a lot of companies, and and notice we had not launch a blockchain to fund this whole thing, and we're not like we're not even heavily funded. And sometimes I'm a little frustrated that you have these other companies getting so much money uh, from ICF, and we can't, you know. So we've been pretty bootstrapped, and a few nice people, I think Osmosis and Juno, have been very very helpful with us and uh, friendly with us, and giving us a number of uh, grants for this development. So I'm very thankful for them. Um, but yeah, we've we built this pretty much a large stack of the Cosmos space. I would say that the Cosmos Awesome STD, we're just calling one zero on a lot of the standard libraries for it, right? So we're pretty like storage plus library interfaces. The contract interfaces are pretty much standard. You want to add more things, you can add new ones, but all the helpers we think are basically solid. Um, and I don't really see much to add there. Um, it's really just tweaks. So I'm going to add a little helper somewhere. The VM is also, the, the APIs are pretty much there. We're working on some new stuff. Um, I can give you a little drops there, but it's mainly performance and speed up some reviewing some iterator codes, reviewing some areas. Um, the two big things we want to do there is add window support, which we have not had forever, which is some what due to upstream dependencies, but we're trying to get that sorted out upstream as well. So we can add windows. We have, you know, uh, Linux and Mac and even Mac M1s now on ARM. 
And Windows has been a blocker for us. So we're working Windows. They have to use WSL right now, uh, subsystem Linux on Windows. But now we're working on getting actually Windows support is a goal for us. Um, and the other one is we are considering trying to really verify if we can use floats or not. So floating points may be non-deterministic, but they may be possible to limit them. And um, yeah, we're trying to see if we can we can do that. Uh, don't hold your breath, but you know, in 2023, that would be our major feature. If we can figure out how to allow floating point operations inside of Wasm, then you open up basically every single Rust library period to it, which is a huge, huge, huge benefit. Um, but yeah, that's that's that. You know, if we can accomplish that in 2023, I'd be happy to do it safely. So it's all about adding features safely when you can do them 100% safely. Um, the biggest changes we have really are in WASMD, I think, the SDK integrations. Because we integrate the SDK, the SDK is in flux. So as SDK develops, we have to integrate with it and change the new IBC Go versions, new SDK version, updating stuff, the new formats they have there, and while keeping it as a sandboxed, their contracts work exactly the same, right? So we can add features, we can't break any existing features, even change how existing features work, right? Um, so we have to make sure that they still work exactly the same as before, um, or better. But you can't actually remove any work. Any function that worked before cannot stop working because you upgrade the SDK. And if they change their logic, we have to make sure that we maintain those bindings. So the biggest area of work we have right there is really on updating the SDK. And then I'd say on tooling. So that's, I think, the most interesting part to work on. So we're building the framework, we're adding pieces to it. And each of these pieces we add to it should have a huge, huge impact, right? Adding floats could open huge libraries up there, integrating with OSZ, which you just did in the 030 release. So you can use OSZ and contracts um, is a WASMD thing. We just did that one. I think that's opens up the whole thing. So people like Yieldmost and Restake can then uh, auto compound your DAO tokens, for example, right? So they can safely do the OSZ. Um, working IBC tooling, TS Relayer, another, we have Relayer also another one of our side projects, right? So working tooling there too. So all the tooling stuff, I think the most important thing stuff I would say is all tooling around the stuff rather than the core libraries. So the core libraries, we'll keep maintaining them, improving them, tweaking them. And that's not going to be as sexy. It's going to be super important and improve everyone's life and make everything just a little nicer, document them. But the major breaking uh, kind of revolutionary changes, I think, would all be in tooling and examples. I mean, actually, the, the point you mentioned that like uh, you have to look actually that uh, once there is like a minor or major version upgrade that like um, the migration or basically um, that is like backward comp comp compatible. I mean, this is like a very big topic, but so far as I, as I could see, like um, when there was like a version change, um, even like on the, on the minor versions, I mean, this was all basically like like seamless, actually, what, what I was seeing. I mean, like in Terra Classic time, there was basically this, this upgrade. I think when, when Terra Classic upgrade, I think this was like in, in September, in October, if I remember, in 2021. Yeah. I mean, this was super seamless for, for all the projects. So basically, there was also maybe a lot of thinking behind it, actually, how you can actually, uh, you know, deliver these new features in the, into the contract platform uh, without like any breaking changes. But so far, actually, I mean, everything has like, worked like a charm. And even like uh, from my own experience to upgrade the contract from uh, the 0.6 to 16x uh, versions to the 1.0 was also basically a very seamless process. So actually, great job on that point. Mm. Cool. Yeah, 0.16 is pretty much 1.0 beta or alpha, right? Um, yes, correct. So I want to say that... so. The Terra thing, I should give props to them for that one. So since November last year, we've had upgraded and Juno and as most other people of Stargaze have upgraded their things time and time again. That's been seamless, right? They, a new Juno version, all the contracts just work. And that's us. But Terra, that's for them. I, they did some amazing engineering. Actually, I am impressed by the Terra devs. And at last September, when they went from 0.10, which they had launched on in like 
late 2020. And then a year later, they upgraded to 016, basically the 1.0 version. And they went over from, you know, Launchpad, you know, pre-Stargate to Stargate um, version of SDK with IBC enabled and ProtoBuff and all that stuff. And they are the ones that made that work. Like we advise them a little bit on it, right? We give them some tips on how things work, but they did the lifting there. Um, they have a few really talented devs. I think they're not sure they're still working there anymore, but um, there are a few devs we worked with, uh, collaborated there, at least before the, before the crash. And they were just, they're really smart devs in Terraform Labs. Um, and they were doing some stuff like, I don't know, you can try doing this. And so they really, they really went dug deep and they were like, serious, serious, serious. Um, and that, that whole upgrade path for them was really a benefit to those guys. So I'm gonna give it props to them. Um, but since, yeah, since November, 2021, we've tried to make it seamless. So people upgrade their, their binaries, they go from Juno zero, you know, Juno five to Juno six to Juno seven to Juno 11, whatever, and it just works and your contracts don't know it, right? The same contract keeps running. Yeah, correct. So actually, I have, I have, I have an interesting question uh, because you mentioned previously this uh, IBC Go version three, which you basically integrated. Like in, I think it was added in one one zero zero, right? Mm. What do you think actually about the current state of uh, basically cross contract swaps? You know, I mean, not cross contract, cross chain swaps. You know, with, uh, enabling of all this tooling for like these uh, interchain accounts and all this uh, possible in what is currently possible at the moment because there's a lot of like discussion going on at the moment and um when do you think can we see the first like uh, cross uh, um, interchange swaps the question before you asked i can answer when is who's going to build it it's not a rhetorical question um it's a real question i have so let me tell you a state my view and I'll, i'm gonna start angering people here um basically IBC has been funded by the ICF development. It funded two groups. One was Interchain GmbH as an IBC Go team. And Informal Systems also being funded. They're building the Hermes Relayer, for example, right? Um, and they're building IBC RS, the Rust tooling, and a lot of, uh, and they're building Interchain Security. Um, the Go team built all the core libraries in Go, the whole stack. They built um, ICS20, the token transfer, and they're building Interchain accounts and these middleware ideas. Um, they're very talented teams. Both of them are very talented teams. I like talking to them. They're very smart guys. They understand this very, very well. Um, they both lean heavily towards theory. They're both very devoid of any sort of product pressure, the needs of the product teams, the roadmaps of product teams, the release date of product teams. And on one hand, that's good because they're not rushing features. And so what is shipped is very, very solid. And that's very important for light clients, for the proof system, for the, right? There's, there's a level that needs that level of detail. And, but they're also responsible for the applications. So ICS20, the token transfer is a very simple, very simple protocol. And that launched in March, 2021 and quickly expanded within a few months over all these chains. And that's really what when we say IBC, we're thinking of sending tokens, right? They announced interchain accounts was working in april this year and it's not really adopted because they missed like you know we did the server side the client the client side of the accounts is not built and the protocol is confusing and the and the realization of support for it and we give you know we don't give you we leave it to the reader to build the client side for it and etc cetera, etc cetera. not like not the off-chain client but actually like the client chain so the extending chain part of it was left as access to the reader the security of it is left off there are major issues like um callbacks um, because 
often we'll want to do multiple actions. Like I want to send tokens and then when they arrive, I want to swap them and know if it was successful, right? And while the IBC transfer and interchange accounts modules that are built by them actually receive these messages and handle them, if you as another module want to call into them, go or contract, right? I'm not talking about just contracts, go modules. If you want to call into it, you actually get no idea when it finishes. So you cannot actually even build a workflow among multiple. Um, and this is stuff that's it's really a simple thing to, to patch ICS 20 to give a callback possibility is not that hard. Um, instead, they've been ADR of some middleware solution which could solve the problem and left implementation to the reader. Like they have a very complex general solution which could work and left someone else to build it. Um, so for me, that's, I mean, this was, I brought this up to them last summer because I brought up some users and said there's a very clear, obvious missing hole here. And um, just for basic workflows. And, uh, and it's, you know, I feel like there's not really interest in doing it or, or either they have no ear of what's going on, which people have talked about this, or don't actually feel it's part of their job. And I pushed them on this actually on a call recently. And the devs are basically saying that, no, we build the app, we build the infrastructure layer. And other people are left to change to build the app layer, right? And then the other person is saying basically, no, we're supposed to respond to all of it. And no one else will be funded by this. No one's really trained on it. So it's, if no one else is doing it, who is doing it, right? Um, no one's really funded on it. And the, all the people with all the knowledge on IBC and what, how to build it correctly are not building these core products where they're selling them as what they're building. So I think that's a fundamental issue here. So you have these two teams with all the knowledge and funding for IBC development, which are building amazing, amazing infrastructure, but missing that last 10 to 20% to really turn it into products. And this stuff has been built ages ago. Interchange swaps, atomic swaps, that could have been built six months ago, working, right? Um, but they're working on more abstract solutions, which maybe pay off fruit in two years from now, but not fully delivering on what has been built already. Does that make sense? Absolutely, so, absolutely. So I think I'm really excited. So I'm working uh, when it came out there, right? So interchange security has been over a year in development and research, which is a very, very simple protocol. If you think about just, just mirror the value set and one another. And when Sunday came with the mess security idea, I sat there and spent two days and a half days and very, very little sleep and lots of caffeine with Jake. I think both of us are like zombies at the end of it, <laughs> but goddamn, we did it. Um, we pulled out basically a much more complex version of that where delegators can cross-delegate, they can lock tokens, they can stick on multiple chains, opt in, um, the, the rewards flow backwards. Um, it's well-defined, that whole thing. And, okay, we didn't implement the perfect version, and we have some questions left to specify, but we got a pretty good prototype for it. We even got a UI for it in two and a half days, right? And, yeah, then we had to go back to our day jobs and haven't really moved. A few people have worked on it, some. And... Now I'm actually excited because uh, this is actually a very cool project. And Osmosis and Juno are looking to cross-fund it. And they're looking at cross-fund of Confio for part of it. There are other Osmosis teams working on it. Other Juno teams working on it. Other, like, well, I would say not even Juno teams. They're kind of mm, independent developers that are coding currently for Juno and independent developers currently coding for Osmosis, right? And Confio. And all of us are going to say, okay, we look for some money. There's some money coming to it. And we're going to work on this together, right? Every does that part. And I think it's really, really powerful. And I think that is really like, we want to make sure we get that in test nets, get on mainnet, we have a plan to launch a product. And I think we have enough talent there, 
right? Because I think those are really smart people. And I think the Sunny and Dave are really smart about the SDK integrations and a lot of design work. They have some really, really good heads. I'm really happy to bring in the knowledge of Cosmos and IBC. And I'm, you know, and really happy a lot of the, um, there's some good contract devs, especially UI devs coming from the Juno side. So I'm really happy to see that collaboration and say, this is just this network of people that are trying to build net, next level IBC stuff, right? And if we can bring that mess security into existence, you know, swaps not is an easy thing compared to that, right? So it's really for me just getting that funds and the mindsets and the mentality together to do it. Um, so I don't know how that works, but for me, it becomes a level of politics um, and funding. And so bear market funding is hard, um, but yeah, I mean, there are institutions that's sitting on lots of money and if any of them wanted this, they could make it happen much faster. Uh, but I mean, you have to fund, you have to fund teams that actually deliver rather than teams that are, um, you know, uh, the talk nice and have nice theory. Yeah. I mean, basically also, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the, the future will definitely be everything with like, with like interchange. So, I mean, it depends actually which teams we will build. I mean, we and TFM are also very much interested like in interchange future. Um, I mean, and uh, as you said, I mean, compared to like uh, inter uh, interchain security, these uh, swaps are like a minor use case. But I think actually in the future, when we look at it, maybe uh, we will see use cases uh, which we can't even think about right now, right? So, I mean, I think there is a, a lot to come in the future. Um, but actually, Ethan, you're also currently, your current project is actually Windau, which you're currently working on, right? Um, so can you actually tell us what you are building there exactly or give us like a quick introduction for the audience? Definitely. Oh, my God. I saw the time. I have to be out here in 10 minutes, uh, but definitely I'll love to cover you more on this. Um, so IBC <laughs> stuff, please look at Windau also. Um, we'll be trying to use as we develop some funds to build IBC stuff as well. And, um, and yeah, definitely have to collaborate with teams that actually are trying to push this forward. Um, the window, um, if I put in a sentence, is next generation sustainable interchain DeFi based on Juno. So we're currently at governance tokens on Juno. We're launching uh, very, in about a month, some, sometime in January, we are launching Windex, a new AMM on Juno. Um, but we're also looking to launch a whole series of other DeFi protocols, ones that have been proven over multiple chains, and launch them on multiple Cosmosm chains. So we're going Cosmosm first, whereas a lot of people are going Atom first, like staking drivers and Atom. We're looking Cosmosm first chains and saying that's where you can build. If we have protocols on multiple Cosmosm chains, we can build new protocols between them. And I think it's really powerful because, hey, we can actually launch contracts in two chains and talk. So Osmosis and Juno can do that. Injective can talk to the jump in there secret can jump in there right um there are a number of chains out there even composable is working this stuff too which is crazy to have a polka dot chain there right parachain um so we're definitely focused on cosmosm chains have ibc support and that way we can basically say we can launch new protocol on juno first and then launch other pieces um about we can launch other pieces on other chains and make sure they collaborate in a smart way, right? Like if you have multiple DEXs sharing liquidity, for example, right? Um, and the governance would be on this one window, which is, yeah, it's a kernel in Juno, but the rest of DeFi, it couldn't go where it's needed, right? So does someone need a staking driver over here? We can launch it over in that chain and just connect the minimum things. So that's really, that's really going with that. With this, we seek to do even more than other DeFi protocols are just trying to get, so right now we're basically saying, look, we have a really strong governance model, a very innovative one, inspired by Curve, I'd say, um, pushing the limits of DowDow, adding some new stuff for DowDow. So really strong governance 
on Juno. We're a very active community. We're getting like 5,000 votes in some of our proposals and we haven't even launched a protocol. Um, and I think it's pretty cool to see that much. We've had 10,000 different people, individuals that vote at least once. Um, and the last few proposals have four to 5,000 votes in them, which is, which is very cool community, right? So we have the community, we're about to launch a protocol. We've airdropped to like 40, 50,000 addresses. Um, they're active in Osmosis, Juno, and Regen. So we have all this stuff. We're about to launch our protocols and we have a plan to have a whole series of protocols. But beyond that, what we're looking to do is um, funnel that into meaningful things. So beyond just saying, hey, we can have a big protocol that can expand and really revolutionize DeFi and build new IBC stuff, we want to use it for purpose. And I think that's rare in this space. So I came into crypto thinking we could build a better world and we built decentralized tools, which are cool, they're different, but they aren't actually fundamentally different, right? So what we're looking to do is build something fundamentally different and say, hey, we are gonna give all these DeFi protocols generate revenue. And usually the revenue flows to the DAO. So we'll just take 25% of that and direct that to an environmental fund. So if we have four, four protocols and 75% of each one of them is a total of three protocols of revenue going to the DAO, the DAO can be very profitable. But that 25% goes into the environmental DAO, which is basically an angel investment fund for high impact environmental projects. People trying to build next generation stuff, not just plant some trees, but maybe come with a whole technique to uh, make it um, economically viable uh, to plant a whole series of trees, right? If they can make us a new, new technology that's going to do carbon capture and um, duckweed stuff, if you're doing remote sensing, they can allow us to make biodiversity credits as cheaply as carbon credits, stuff like that. that um, building new technologies, basically, so innovative technology stuff. So that is what we look to fund with this. So at the same time, I think we're building, bringing a much needed hit to the DeFi world and really pushing interchain DeFi into the future. Um, we are also looking to use that and fund something meaningful with it as we grow. So the better we grow, the better we are for the planet. So you can make money and, and do good at the same time. So, so you mentioned basically this, uh, this, this first uh, DeFi um, yeah, application, WinStacks will launch basically in, in January, right? Um, what actually are the other plans for 2023? Do you have like any, anything to mention regarding other DeFi uh, pieces actually, which will come to WinDAO next year? Uh, um, yeah, that's a question. That's a question. How much can I share? So what's to say, um, we started working on staking derivatives and I was announcing that a lot in July, August. I started working them before I actually had a DAO, before I had a finance team. Took a lot of time this year. So in February, I started building stuff to get the governance together, to get the legal structure together, to get token together, to get these papers together. There's a lot of startup stuff. We've been through that, right? Now we have a team, we have a token, we have a governance, we have everything ready. We can just start launching protocols, right? So we've done that one heavy lifting and we want to leverage that to do these protocols. The market changes pretty quickly. So we were starting to work on staking derivatives a while ago and picked that back up in you know, late August. And you know, in September we started working for seriously on the staking derivative stuff. We'd finished all the, um, you know, we were doing governance, finishing up the governance uh, protocol actually in September, and starting the staking derivatives. And we came there, we came to Cosmoverse and saw like five different staking derivatives on the stage, and we go, oh, that's a lot of competition. Um, we want to stand out, so we can try to do a better one, but really that's not how you want to enter a market by just doing a slightly better version of something everyone else is doing. So we started working on another protocol. And then we were trying to integrate and said, hey, we need good AMM and try to integrate with GenoSwap and realize there's problems. And everyone else said, like, how can we add Oracle's GenoSwap? How can we add this to GenoSwap? And basically everyone's complained about GenoSwap and told us from multiple people, we need a better AMM on Geno. We need a better AMM on Geno. You guys should build it. Um, and 
that's where we got this idea. So basically, that was a push from them. I started, I guess, in mid-November. Thinking about, we started talking about that basically, the, yeah, beginning of November. And then by mid-November, we started working on building our own exchange. Um, so that's what I'm saying. We move kind of fast to it. So we're launching this thing now. Um, I have a few things on the roadmap. So we are looking at doing second derivatives. We're looking at doing lending protocol. We're looking at doing stable coins. Um, we're looking at doing Oracle services, like Chainlink style Oracles, not just the TWAP Oracles, which we'll provide. Um, we have some novel decks, like our, our V2 decks is also going to take a lot of the ideas you've seen, not just, you know, the older ones, but some of the more um, as ambitious theoretical ideas we've seen from Ethereum and uh, bring them, yeah, evolve them. It's kind of secret now. Um, so I would say some of the V2 decks are kind of keeping under uh, are close to our hand. We don't want to share all the ideas before someone copies them. Um, but the other ones, basically, we're seeing where the market is. So we'll just kind of follow where the market is. When you launch the decks, we see what the next needed protocol is and just you know focus your development on that one. Um, we basically hope to be able to turn out between how hard they are between one and three months for a DeFi protocol, right? Um, it depends how much team is still maintaining the other one, like maintaining it, not just building new features, but like how much we have is ideally trying to make everything solid and no buggy. Uh, so hopefully that's very little time. Um, you know, the UI stuff, there's a lot of support work that can happen in UI, especially because when everything hits the UI, it doesn't work, that doesn't work. So it might take a lot of our UI team. Um, but we're just, you know, let's see how, how much that is. Um, but ideally, we try to keep it going fast. So we can launch things quickly, uh, one after another, and basically look at the market and say, hey, where right now should we be in two months? And at that point, we've launched this, we'll pick the next one that, that collaborates best. So we're open for them all. I think this was actually a very big alpha, actually, for the community here, because like, uh, so we can expect a lot of like, uh, yeah, innovation and tech coming like in 2023 then for, from Windred. Definitely. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... We want, to, we want to innovate. That's the point, innovating. And again, um, if we get ability, this all this things like swaps and things, there's a lot of theory you can do, but a lot of product work needs to happen. So if we're involved in that, um, we're very happy to build it out. We're also happy to partner with people on that. So I think by having this knowledge and power in Window from Configo, um, and you know my experience here, we can push this forward to, um, to really, I think, bring next level uh, DeFi, right? Like interchain DeFi and really push out in the product perspective. And once we've done, I'm sure someone will copy it, right? But once we've built it and proven it works in a product perspective, it will be copied three, four of the protocols, right? That's fine. But I think we will, you know, be first mover dungeon, and we'll bring it into existence. And this will really be with the needs of users, like, you know, cross-chain swaps, for example. Um, but yeah, we're planning to do a lot of stuff, really pull it out there and really keep it innovating. And we're looking to partner with people. So we can't take the whole thing. It's not like take everything, everything. Um, we want to partner with different projects. You know, we're happy to partner with other DEXs. We have a number of teams we're looking to partner with currently. Um, you know, Yieldmost is working with us and we're, you know, uh, Concat, a few other things, working with other dev teams, um, but we definitely have to integrate protocols onto it. So I think we're talking with TFM also integrating that. So you can add an order books um, and your router can use our backend. So we definitely want to work together and make sure we have as many, many projects. And so it's really nice to see other projects looking forward and seeing how we can collaborate. Um, because, you know, hey, we can do lots of stuff, but we can't do everything. So it's really, really great to see. And that's part of the point of having our flexible roadmap. If we find someone else is doing it, great. We can just partner with them to integrate their product, our product together as much faster than actually building another product. So um, I, ideally, if there's some good products out there, we can just integrate them instead of trying to build a competing product. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, awesome. for speaking, from, speaking from TFM, I think we're also like looking forward to partner then, actually, because you mentioned partnering. And uh, yeah, I think uh, speaking for actually the whole audience, I mean, we are looking forward to like see um, the contracts and of course the protocols uh, of Winten deployed on the mainnet next year. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely looking forward to seeing what we can build together. Well, this is Rebel DeFi back on again. Thanks very much for your time today, Ethan and Stephen on the Wind account. Um, I'm sure this conversation could have gone on for another hour quite easily, but I know you've got a schedule that you need to keep to. Um, hopefully we can get you guys back on maybe to talk more about Window and how it can benefit users as well as change the world. I'm definitely excited for that. So yeah, thank you very much for your time. Thanks to everyone who's listening in. Next week on episode two of the TFM Founders series will be a conversation, again, hopefully with Mario and Sunny Agarwal of Osmosis. Thanks, everyone, for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Ethan. Thank you, Ethan. Thank, Thank you very much. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was the TFM Founders series, episode one with Ethan Frey, recorded on Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. When I'm ripping and rapping, I ain't picking the bastards who be tricking the masses into getting their asses kicked. Feels like I've been getting my masters. Fuck a pump and double like the income that's passive. Raise up the bar before I fly right past it. I'll be writing rhymes till they put me in a casket. Old man shit, put the lotion on its skin. Then put that shit back in the damn basket like Buffalo Bill, the way I'm ruffling feathers. Snuffing out debt, cut the heads off collectors. Keep a couple heads in a jar as keepsakes. And take the rest and turn them into free bait. Upgrade the feelings, supply the free base. Looking all professional, tools in the briefcase. Running on empty from gassing up my teammates. First one down, let me know how that sleep tastes. and impossible defending the plausible from end to demonstrable the mission isn't even worried about the clearance running interference till our enemies fear us we're only one disappearance away from a bad day everybody trying to save face on the last day feeling fancy about to pull out the mass eh? drop the eight ball in passing that's so passe i'm getting nasty you cannot put it past me a mix between blasphemy and talk everlasting feeling like a masterpiece looking like a tragedy trying to get through another day full of savagery getting headstrong from working in the mess hall all hands on deck waiting for our next haul i need the rest got big plans to eject so feed the grass and keep off the kleenex i am interested in magic because i am fascinated with psychology i love to learn about how people make inferences how they draw conclusions and find patterns and information and in particular i'm interested in all that can go wrong uh, how an individual can be led astray by certain cognitive vulnerabilities or exploited. Terror spaces. <laughs>